to God. Well, good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome in the name of Jesus. If you're watching this, remember Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, I'm so glad that we have an opportunity to be in the Word today. Man, I, I, there's no place I'd rather be than in the Word of God. Amen. There's, no, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than spending time in the Word of God. Because everything else is temporal. It's subject to change. The Word of God never changes. The Word of God is, never changes. The Word of God never changes. The Word of God never changes. God's method on how he deals with man may change, but the word of God never changes. God's method on how he deals with man, and if you're in uh, Kingdom Dominion uh, Bible School, you're going to find it out when we get into dispensations. You're going to find out God's word never changes. How he dealt with man changes, but his word never changes. His word never changes. And I had this great message that we believe that we're going to continue. We're still going to continue in our series on uh, what's done in the dark, and what's done in the dark is all about exposure. God is exposing stuff, and in the book of Jude, it says, "Before anything ever happens in the earth, the shaking, the shifting, and the and, and the positioning happens in the house of God first. It happens in the house of God first. Why does it have to happen in, in, in the house of God first? Because if God can't get his people to do what he needs them to do, they will have no effect on the world. You want to know why? Because they'll act just like the world. If you don't let the word of God change your way of thinking, that changes your way of feeling, which changes your way of decisions, which changes your action, you, even though you say sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire baptized, on your way to heaven, oh so glad about it, you will act and respond just like the world. Literally. And unfortunately, I'm, 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 I'm out here, I'm just going to put, put it out there. He says that the church is acting more like the world than the world is acting like the church. In fact, in many times, people in the church have let the world redefine how the church is supposed to respond. Minister Jew and I, and I was talking about this last night. There's this we was on Facebook one day, man. You got to stay off the book because we was on Facebook and they had this program and it's about this what a uh, love don't judge. And it was about this guy. He, him and his wife, they were married and they had been married for some time and they decided they, they needed to add an additional partner to their relationship and everything. And he has a different girl a woman so they shit now they share him and everything but love don't judge be like i'm not sure what definition you're looking at but hello and then the, the other one is uh love is love and they have these different stories about you know relationships and you know love is love it's like that sounds good on a postcard but reality that's that's not true but if the church allows the world and many times when you're talking to believers and you're talking to them about love they define love just like the world does it's all about emotion it's all about feelings but that's not love love don't judge Ju do you know judgment the word judgment has a negative connotation according to the world but not according to the word because in the word, judgment is an outcome. So if you are, if you, if there's judgment, that judgment, even in the world, can be good or bad. You go to court, somebody try to bring a lawsuit against you, the judge rules in your favor. Guess what you just got? A positive judgment. But if you violate the law of that land or that nation, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a judgment, which is negative for you, but the ju negative judgment came as a result of you violating the law. Ju nothing just happens. Nothing. And people try to, man, if God is so good and this wouldn't happen, if God was so, God is good all the time. 
But God never, I'm going to share this word with you that he gave me the other day when I was working out. And I'm like, Lord, I'm in here. I'm getting my swole on. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling good about it. And he says, let me share this with you. He says, I love people unconditionally and only want what's best for them. But I cannot violate my word to do so. He says, that would make me unjust and I'm, I'm a righteous judge. I'm not trying to keep people from me, but I have to. I have made provision for them to be with me always, but can't violate my word to do so. Life and death are before them. And I told them to choose life, but they can choose death if they desire to. And I will not violate their choice because that would make me unjust and I change not. I'll never violate anyone's rights before and I won't now, even if that means that they would separate from me, which is still their choice. My people want me to violate my word and I can't for it would make me unjust. And there is no darkness in me at all. He says, I correct with my word, not with sickness and disease or poverty and lack. The moment you step outside of my word, you're operating in the death cycle. And the adversary has a legal right to come against you. So always seek my kingdom and stay on the Lord's side. What many people don't know, I don't want to agree with, is the fact that there, there is laws in place. Your Bible is actually a legal document. Your Bible is a legal document. And that tells you it tells you what you have a right to it tells the adversary what see you got to understand your adversary is a ruthless outlaw that's how he got his that's how he got kicked out of heaven in the first place he violated the law of the kingdom and he was expelled out of the kingdom of god and what did he do he did it he did what was already in his heart he set up his own kingdom that was his agenda all along but it's a, it's a kingdom that is totally opposite of God. It uses the same principles because he cannot create anything new. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, he said to Adam and Eve, Adam, you can eat of any tree of this garden, any of them. But of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat of it for the day you do it. The day you do it, you will surely die. Separate yourself from my from me and from my way of doing things. God told Adam that from the giddy up. He told him that from the jump. Then he gave Adam everything that he needed, put Adam in the garden. Then him and Adam, he gave Adam Eve. When he gave Adam Eve, what did he, what did, was Adam's responsibility? To communicate to Eve the same thing God communicated to him. He only had one thing. One thing that God told him, you cannot do. That was the only command that God gave him. What do you think the adversary came after? That one command. Because he knew if you violate that, then you are no longer under this kingdom. Now you are under my demand, under my dominion. Could the adversary take their kingdom? Could he take the garden? Could he take Adam and Eve's authority? The only way he could get Adam and Eve's authority and dominion is if Adam and Eve yielded themselves to his authority by disobeying God's command. He couldn't just do it. Can I give you a word this morning? He can't just do it now unless people bow themselves and yield themselves to him. He can't do it. He is, he's like a snagger tooth. He's like a raggedy mouth, no teeth having, need to get his, put his dentures back in to bite. He barks, but he don't, he has no bite. Why? Because all authority and all power is stripped of him. The only power and authority he has in your life is in the areas where you yield to him. All he has is suggestions. The same thing he had in the garden. Suggestions, 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 suggestions. You do this, do this. Did God really say, is this really? Is it, is it, is it? And you are the deciding factor on whether or not he has any inroad in into you 
or into your house. Now, can you operate authority over another person? No, that's called witchcraft. You have authority over the spirit that may be working through that person, but you don't have authority over that person. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you did that, it is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. You never hear, you never read that anywhere in the scripture. You hear where they took authority over the spirit that was working through that person. Prime example, Paul and Silas, when he kept that, that little girl who was used as a soothsayer, a.k.a. what we call him a modern day psychic, when our fortune teller, when that person kept trying, she kept, it sounded like what she was saying was positive, but she was just an annoyance, annoyance, annoyance. And it says, Paul was vexed in his spirit and he turned and said to him who's the him the spirit, the spirit that was working through that girl to come against them when he spoke to the spirit then the spirit had to loose his hold off of her and had to go so if you are praying for angels and for people to be struck down dead with fire and all that, that's not scriptural. Read your Bible. That's not scriptural. You can bind up the spirit. But the same blood of Jesus that died for you, was shed for you, is the same blood of Jesus that was shed for them. When Prime Minister Trudeau and, and Mr. O'Toole and the whole Senate and House and them peoples passed that bill this week. Do you know what the father said? This is what he said. He says, I want you first to pray for the LGBTQT plus whatever they are this week. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. So I start praying for them in the spirit. I start, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, go, 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 and I start praying for them. Then he says, the more I prayed in the spirit, the softer my heart got. The more I pray for them in the spirit, the softer my heart got. And then he says, now speak to this spirit. Mm -hmm. Speak to this spirit. Speak to this spirit. Did I say anything to them? Did I say, Lord, strike them down dead in the name of Jesus. Let them die of sickness and disease. Didn't say any of that. Because that's not God. That's not God. In fact, he says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, he said it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It didn't say the, the judgment, the casting them down, the beat the purity bejeebles out of them. That's going to make him do it. That's not how it works. So we begin to pray for them. Then he said, I want you to pray for the prime minister. I want you to pray for the MPs. I want you to pray for members of the House, members of the, members of the Senate. Pray for the, the chief justices of the Supreme, Canadian Supreme Court. Why? Because God holds the hearts of kings in his hands and he turns them as he wills. Am I going to get their hearts to change if I'm speaking death over them. No. Are you going to get their life to change if you curse them? No. no. The only thing that reveals is the hate in your heart. When you do those things, the only thing that reveals is the hate and dislike and, and evil wickedness that remains in your heart. That is not scriptural. How do you know that? Well, according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, first of all, I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, and the reason why we read out of the New American Standard Bible is because it is word-for-word -word translation. King James in many areas, as word for word. There's a few of them that are word for word. There's another type that's called thought for thought. 
They read it and get the what they think the thought of what it is that they're trying to say, and they said that's the translation. And then you have what's known as paraphrase, where they they read it and they speak out to you what they believe that it means. We use the word for word. We will use the amplified too, but only if the amplified matches up with what the word, if you do it word for word and you get a Greek and Hebrew concordance. So you can go back and see, so you cannot define the word that was originally in Hebrew using English definitions. You will get a wrong interpretation. You cannot use the English word language because it's limited to define Greek. Why? Because you will get a wrong interpretation. And if you get a wrong interpretation, then you will get it wrong when you call yourself praying about something and that's not what the Word of God says at all. So what did the Father say? He says, I want you to pray for them. So we begin to pray. It's not even that I thought my heart was hardened towards them, but when you pray for somebody else, at, like you're praying for yourself, it's going to change how you pray. When you're in offense, you need to pray for that other person that you're in offense with the way that you would pray for yourself. Why? Because you're not going to curse yourself. You're not going to judge yourself. You're not going to speak death over yourself. And it allows God to do something in your heart. You ever notice when you start praying with other folk, the first person God starts dealing with is you? Do you want to know why? Because if he changed that person today and you still had that stinking thinking or foulness in your heart, judgmental spirit on you, guess what's going to happen? You will taint whatever is being done. You said, I'm waiting on God. No, you're not. God told me to tell you this morning. He's waiting on you. He says, the reason why they have not turned yet is because if I turn them and you're still the same way, you're going to mess up what I've already done. God's already working on them. But he's also working on you. How do you know? Because he said this. He said, when you begin to pray for other people and it softens your heart and then see when your heart is softened, then you can see he can show you what's really going on with that person. Not what you think. What's really going on with that person. When you start talking about the, the LGBTQT and all that and start praying for them and binding those spirits up and everything that's behind it. And he says, you know what the, the, the problem is, is they have never had a true encounter with my tangible love. Mm -hmm. They have never had a true encounter with my tangible love. Why? Because I can't get my people to demonstrate my love, not the world's love towards them. That comes with conditions. He says, why you he says, when those the people who are on Parliament Hill, he says, the reason why a lot of them are doing what it is they're doing, even the ones who say they, they confess Jesus as Lord in the whole nine yards, is because they're op they're operating in fear. And the reason why they're operating in fear is because they have not had a, a tangible exchange or encounter with the tangible love of God. And the people who are supposed to be there supporting them. They're not demonstrating it in love. They're speaking words, but they're, even if it's the truth, they're not speaking the truth in love. So when you're looking at it, you are, something, something's wrong. Something's wrong with them. No, the something that's wrong is, is a little closer now. Go look in the mirror. Father asked, he told me to ask y'all this question. It's a, rhetorical, it's a rhetorical question that I'm going to ask. So I don't expect you to answer me, but you answer it to God for yourself. He says, ask them, how many of you have discipled at least one person this year? How many of you have, you have led someone in the sinner's prayer this year? 
How many of you have prayed for somebody to uh, uh, allow me to use you to heal someone, whether it was physically, whether it was emotionally? How many of you allowed me to do that? He says, because going to a whole bunch of Bible studies and going to a whole bunch of groups and all that, he says, it's good. He says, but it may not be God. If you are, if you have forgotten the first command that he gave, which is make disciples. Some, some small groups start off good. They have the right plan. And if they don't stay under some leadership other than the person leading the group, What's going to happen is, is you're going to get, you're going to be like water. You're going to get stank. Stank means that it becomes, it becomes, gets uh, filled up with stuff other than what it is God originally called it to do. And what happens? You get no result. When we were still, when we were still attached to, I mean, we're still in a relationship with, with them, but our relationship is just different with uh, with our former pastor in Toronto. As long as we were submitted to, their, to them and under their instruction, guess what we did? What they told us to do. If I had a different thought or idea about a situation, you know what I would do? I wouldn't just do that. Even though they was nowhere around, I would, out of respect, for them, I would always go back to them and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Why? They was the vine. I was a branch. I was attached to them. I was attached to them. If, if, I'm, if I'm supposed to be submitted to their leadership, I'm attached to them. If I say I, they are the branch, they're the vine, and I'm a branch, and, but I'm doing my own thing. What have I just done? I have disconnected myself from the branch, I mean from the vine, and I'm on my own. And a lot of people do that. That's why sometimes you wonder why leaders are so slow at promoting. It's not because of the leader. It's because God will say, that person is not ready. They think they're ready but they're not ready. Why? Because God knows what's going on in your heart. He don't tell us everything that's going on with you. All he says is, hey, I wanna, I'm thinking about promoting somebody. He says they're not ready yet. Wait. Or he will give you a position, and then this is what he'll say. He says, I'm gonna give them this position as a seed just to see what they're gonna do. They're either gonna grow it according to what the word of God says, or they're gonna get out there and disconnect themselves from the, from the branch, I mean from the vine, and then they're going to dry up with it and it will die. When we, when we uh, had counsel about what we was going to do, whether we was going to stay, whether we was going to go, because if we called them right now today and said, hey, you know what? We, we're going to come back to uh, Toronto wide open arms. If we called them today and said, hey, you know what? We, we decided that we're going to, uh, we're still going to be called Ignite, but we're going to come back under uh, your, uh, you as our pastor or whatever the case may be. They will welcome us with open arms. Why? Because we left the same way we came. We came in submitted. We left submitted. You cannot Start one way. Don't be do like Peter did. Peter started off in faith when he stepped out of the boat. And then Peter took his eye off Jesus, and then he got in the flesh, and he began to sink. If you're going to do what God called you to do in these last hours, you got to make a decision. Yes, sir. He says you're going to have to make a decision. Who is your Lord? And it's not a man on earth. Who is your Lord? The other thing you need to make a decision on is, did God tell you to go? This is another thing he said this week. He says, I, people pray and ask me to send them someone to, to do X, Y, Z. God says, I send that person, male or female, to them. Then when the person gets there and he, does, he or she does not 
do things that you think they should do the way that you should think they should do it, then you get offended. I'm out of here. And he says, it's time out for that. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't take that in 2022 because if you do, you're going to get left behind. I'm not your Lord. Doug's not your Lord. Rita, Jerry, Joanne, not your Lord. Jesus is Lord. What are, what, are, what are we? We are gifts to the body of Christ. Can you benefit from the gifts? Yes, only if you receive it. But the only way you're going to be able to do that is you got to do first things first. First Timothy chapter 2. I, don't, I, I got delivered a long time ago. So you got, there's a difference between being a pastor at the God's own heart or being a harling. A harling is one who does what the people tells them to do because they, they look and they get a check. Mm. A pastor at the God's own heart says what God tells them to do if nobody likes it. Except God. Why? Because God is trying to set you up for something. You're not waiting on God. I'm telling you, but I'm telling you what he shared with me this week. You are not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to get out of your own way, to stop being hard-headed, to stop being concrete cranial, to stop being rebellious. People in the church have become so, they call themselves being so rebellious against government, but they'll let that spirit of rebellion cause them rebellion against any authority other than the authority they agree with. Any authority. And God says it's time out. All right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everything we do is motivated by love. Yesterday I was sitting at the kitchen counter just after we got to eat dinner and everything, and I was praying. I was praying for you all. I was praying for the message. I pray how people will receive it. I pray for whoever will watch this and, and receive it. And I began to weep because I could hear God's heart weep. His, his heart is weeping because his church won't do what he, he told him to do. His heart is grieved because his church won't do what he told him to do. So I'm sitting at the counter. I'm just standing there and I just start crying. And Minister Julian was in the other room and I'm just weeping. And I, I could not even put into words what I was trying to convey to her. When she came back in the room, and I'm trying to convey it to her. But she, she just looking. I'm like, I... I, I they don't get it. They still think it's about them. This is not about us. We could shut this down tomorrow and go home and do a in-home Bible study or do it all online. This is not even about us. I'm not even trying to leave a legacy, you know, that says, hey, you know, uh, Apostle Milk Jones did it. I don't care about that. You know what I really care about? Did the kingdom of God get established? Is the kingdom of God planted? Is the kingdom of God expanded across all churches, across the entire land? I don't care about the rest of it. I'm not trying to be famous. If I, get, if I become famous in the process, to God be all the glory. But I'm not looking for fame. But God is looking for a people who will do what he told them to do the way he told them to do and stop wasting time being offended. And the way that you know a person is offended is when they keep saying, I'm not offended. I'm offended. I know I've been offended before. Not since I've been here, but I've been offended. And I would swear I was not offended. But if I start acting differently with the people who God placed over me, because of something they said that I didn't agree with, I didn't like, or whatever the case may be, they didn't do it the way I thought they should have done. Guess what it's called? Offense. So what are you supposed to do? Pray. Because you know what happens when you get an offense? It's easy for you, it's easy for you to betray. 
turn your back on. Serve people up. It's easy for you to hate them. It's easy, heck, if it got to that point for you to kill them. It'd also be easy for you to walk away and follow after a lying prophet. I didn't say that. That's what the word said. But God's heart is grieved because people won't do what he told them to do. You want to know what he told him to do? I'm so glad you asked. Calm yourself down. First of all, he says, first and foremost, he says, in accordance to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says this. First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. For kings and for all who are in authority, so that they may lead a, a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, God is telling us he expects us to make supplication, prayers, intercession, and give thanks unto, for all men. How many is left out the all? None. So who is he wanting you to do this for? All men. Whether you agree with them or not. Whether you care for their policies or not. He also goes on to say this. He says, when you do this, he says, so that you is for your benefit so that you can live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, sozo, and to come into the true knowledge of God. So when you pray for other people, what you're doing is you're you're asking and you're petitioning and you're supplicating and you're interceding on their behalf so that they will have an opportunity to come into the knowledge of the truth. How are they going to do that? Because when you begin to pray for them, what you're doing is you're softening your heart. But you're also uh, praying that their hearts will be softened as well and that laborers will be dispatched across their path, that they will be able to speak the word of God to them in a way that they will be able to receive it. I have family members who have been in a, who are, who are some who still are, according to natural, operate in the LGBTQT plus ABC, whatever they call themselves. You know how I minister to them in love. You know how I minister to them. I find out what's going on with them. I don't beat them down with the Bible. I just love them to life. Well, if I don't beat them down with the Bible, they're never going to know the truth. They will know more about the truth. It will be more real to them when they see you live it than it is when they hear you say it and then don't see you live it. That's a, he said that's the other thing that's going on with a lot of families. You are trying to minister to your family about a God that you act like you don't even know yourself. Because your responses to situations is just like the world's. You murmur. You complain. You backbite. You talk against, you speak against, you curse them. Figuratively and literally are cursing them. And you're wondering why God is not doing anything. He can't because you've tied his hands up. How did you tie his hands up? He only hastens to the word. He hastens to his word. He doesn't just hasten to any word. He hastens to his word. He hastens to his word. Guess who else responds to his words? Ministering angels. They respond to the word of God spoken in love. Kill them is not love. Wipe them out, Lord. That's not love. All right, now that I got y'all, now that the Father has y'all undivided, 
anybody want to get this thing right? Anybody interested in getting it right or you want to stay the way? If you were interested in staying the way you are, I mean, this is probably not going to be the, after, after this month, this is probably not going to be the place you're going to want to be at because what he's going to do in 2022 is, is so far in the butt. You are going to need to be under the word where you're getting taught the word of God for real because what's about to happen, what's about to jump off, you're going to need to be under the word and know how to operate according to the kingdom. And according to the kingdom is more than binding and loosing. That's part of it. That's not all of it. Remember we said this last week, talking about exposing the elephant in the room. It says this in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. He says, my people are destroyed. Now, I'm going to show you how you use the concordance and get the Greek, in this instance, the Hebrew interpret definition for that word destroyed. And wherever you look at the concordance where it has the 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 uh, the Greek the Hebrew word if it's in the Old Testament or the Greek word depending on what it then you you use that definition. My people are destroyed. That word destroy means to be dumb or silent, hence to fail or perish. So my people are 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 destroyed or become dumb or silent hence they fail or perish why because of their lack of knowledge why is that why is there a lack of knowledge because you have rejected that word rejected means despise refused and cast away knowledge I also reject you from being my priest since you have forgotten the law. What law is he talking about? His precepts and, and statutes. So you got people who are perishing, people who are failing, people who are become silent because of a lack of knowledge. And it's not because the knowledge is not even available to them. They are despising. You know what that word despise means? Lightly esteeming it. I lightly esteem this word. So I, mm, it's in one ear at the other. When the adversary, when it talks about in Mark chapter four, about the sower sows the word, the first one he says, it fell on stony ground. It says the word came forth and immediately the adversary was able to come and steal it from their heart. You want to know how they was able to come? He was able to get the word out so easily because they refused to receive it in the first place. Psh, I, don't, I don't receive that. I don't believe that. I ain't accepting that. That don't line up with what, what my what my doctrine already says. And God told me to tell you this this morning. He says, your traditions, your traditions are traditions that have been passed on to you, are teachings and instructions that have been passed on you from person to person to person to person. He says it makes the word of God of no effect or it invalid, it, it, it invalidates, invalidating the word of God because of your traditions. Because of what beliefs that you hold strong to, the word of God, that's in, in uh, Mark chapter 7, 13. The word says one thing, they interpret it another way, and then they begin to do what it is they believe. And then they pass that same teaching on to somebody else. So God had already said last week, my people are destroyed. They are perishing, they are failing because of their lack of knowledge. That word knowledge is, is talking about his knowledge, his, his, his concepts, his precepts. Not because it's not available to them, but because they have made a decision to despise it, to refuse it, to cast it away. Then he asked me to ask you this question. He asked me to ask you this question this morning. He says, are you being led? Are you being led? He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That word son is hui, uh, which means have kinship. Kinship means they share characteristics. So, Though, as for as many as, as are being led by the Spirit of God, they have the characteristics of God. 
They have the characteristics. They have the characteristics of God. Anybody interested in knowing what the nature of God is? Anybody want to? I'm gonna tell you this point. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna tell you. First John chapter four. Verse seven. What is God's nature? What is the nature of God? First John chapter four, verse seven says this, beloved, let us love one another. That word love there is agape. Unconditionally love one another for love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Did you hear that? The one who does not love does not love God. He's not talking about the world's definition of love. He's saying if you don't agape love, you don't know God. Why? Because God is love. God doesn't just have love. God is love. So if you go back up to Romans chapter 8, Verse 14, knowing now that you know that God is love, you can read it this way. For all who are being led by the spirit of love are the sons of love. So if you're being led by the, by God, the spirit of God, then you, are, you become a son of God when you operate according to the love of God. Let every word be established by two or more witnesses. Paul said it first, then, then uh, John. God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. And the nature of God is love. You want to know about the character of God? What does God's character look like? What's characteristics of God? What's characteristics of love? Characteristics of love. I'm reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. God says, my people have been destroyed for lack of knowledge. What, what knowledge are they missing? The knowledge of what it means to operate as a son of God, which means you operate according to the agape love of God. If you're operating according to the agape love of God, you're not walking in bitterness. You're not walking in unforgiveness. You're not walking in resentment. You're not cursing people. You're not asking people to be destroyed. Remember when, 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 when people would not come to the meeting that Jesus was having and John said to them, call down fire and burn them up. What did he say? To, what did Jesus say to them? You are 100% right. Burn them up. What did he say to them? You know not what spirit you're speaking of. So if Jesus said that to John, If Jesus said that to John and James, why do you think now that we, we can say, Father, send down fire, burn them up? That, hello, that goes directly against what it is that the, the Son of God, the Word himself, said when some other people said the exact same thing. That's what I'm telling you. It's not scriptural. Am I upset with anybody? No. I just really have a strong, strong, strong dislike when people misrepresent God. Even myself. A strong dislike for that. Why? Because you will send people to hell. You will get people off. You would think God is so mad at you. Nobody would ever want to approach God. Well, I ain't going to go to God. God's mad at me. God's trying to get me. I used to think God sat on the throne. And if you messed up, he's going to hit you with a mallet because you messed up. Because I was taught in church, if you do wrong, God's going to get you. That is not scriptural. I didn't know anything about the law of sin and death. I didn't know anything about the kingdom of God. I didn't know anything about the kingdom of darkness. Nobody taught that. What is the character of God? 
I'm so glad you asked. Calm your little self down over a towel, and I see you shouting on the inside. Character of God is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. What is it? I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says this, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not be does not display itself haughtily or prideful. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated <coughs> with pride. It, it Love is not rude. So if you rude, you are not operating in love. Unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm telling you, husbands and wives, man, it, this, this is what we call the love test. If you can recall what it is they did to you yesterday and you still responding to them today based off what they did to you yesterday, can I give you an indicator? You are not walking in God's love. Minister Julian come talk to me about something she did yesterday. I apologize. And she'll tell you. I'll be like, what, what are you talking about? Well, you been when I did such and such? I have no idea what you're talking about. But you heard what I said. I have no idea what you're talking about. Why? Because the moment she said it, Father, I make a decision of my own free will. My flesh don't want to do it. But I make a decision. I forgive. If one of y'all say something crazy to me or whatever, and Tyro wants to wants to come out and drive to your house and beat the brakes off of you but I don't do it. Why? Because I'm operating in love. If you, if, if you show disdain, see this is the thing. I don't know Justin Trudeau, the man. I honor his position, not his politics. I don't know MP Justin, uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, O'Toole. I've talked to him. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't agree with his, his decisions. I don't agree with all his tactics, but I honor the position. I don't agree with every pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. I don't, but I honor their position. You have people in the church, they have, they talk to the pastor just like they talk to somebody else. You ain't nobody, you just like me. You and the devil both alive. That's not true. Because God called him your gift. Jesus called him your gift. He says, if you reject the gift, then you reject the one who gave the gift to you. Oh, you just talked about that because you're a pastor. Now, I'm not talking about that. That's what God said. He says, if you reject, if you reject Jesus, you also reject the one who sent them. Because Jesus was a gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is a gift to the church. So if you have disdain for the people God has placed in authority over you, you are showing disdain for the one who sent them. To you. I don't care what pastor it is. I don't agree with every pastor around here. I talk to them. We may not agree on everything, but guess what? I, aren't, I don't speak against them because God said they're a gift. Whether they ever operate in their gift the way God told them to do or not, is not my business. My responsibility is to do what he told me to do. And I'm telling you, if that's what you're doing, you, judgment will come to your house. What's the judgment? Because the word of God still says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. That's not a demonstration of love. It's not a demonstration of love. It all comes down to love, people. That's what it comes down to. All right, keep going, because I know y'all so excited about all this. <coughs> Excuse me. It also says, it takes no account to evil done to it, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices 
when right and truth prevail. Love, agape love, bears up under anything and everything that comes and every is ever ready to believe the best. Love is ever ready to believe the best. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love, God's love, never fades out, becomes obsolete, comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away and it will lose its value and be sup superseded by the truth. The love test. Can you pass the love test? That's, this is the character of God. He says, as many as are led by the spirit of love, you are the sons of love. How do you know that you are a son of love? That you love, you, how do you know that you're a son of love? Because you love one another. For God is, love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, the one who does not love. So if you do not love, you do not know God. I did not say that. That's what the word said. Why? Because God is love. Amen. Then he asked me the question, are you a disciple? He told me to ask y'all the question, are you a disciple? Do you call yourself a disciple? He says, How, what's, the, what's the proof that you are a disciple? John chapter 13, verse 34 says, a new commandment. Now, it, did that say suggestion? You know what a commandment is? It's an authoritative precept which means it is something he expects you, you are mandated to do. Command. In the military, if you do not follow the command, if your superior officer gave you a command and you did not follow it, you could be fined, you can be put in the brig, you can act, depending on what it is you did, you could actually be dishonorably discharged out of the military because you made a decision to disobey a command. If that's the way it is in the world, how much more? A new commandment I give you. What? That you agape love one another even as I have loved you. Does that sound like a suggestion? That you agape love one another just as I have loved you. That you also love one another by this. By what? The fact that you love one another just like I loved you. Will all men know that you are my disciples? How? If you have agape love one for another. Now, what's a disciple? If you look up the definition, what is a disciple? And the disciple is this, according to the, according to the 18 uh, Webster, uh, 1828 edition, it says this, the disciple is a learner, a scholar, one who receives or professes to receive instructions from another. A disciple is a follower, an adherent to, an adherent to the doctrines of another. So if you are a disciple, if you are a learner, or you are a follower, or you are one who receives or professes to receive instructions from Jesus, the way that you're gonna know that you are truly a disciple is not how many press meetings you go to, not how many small groups you start, not even how many people come to your church, not how many sha na na ka 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 ba 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 you go to. Not how many concerts you go to. He says, if you really want to know if a person is truly a disciple, look at their love walk. 
did I take any? Is that in your Bible? This is all, I'm just reading what the word says. I, I don't have to add anything to it. If you really want to know if you're a, if a true follower of Jesus, all I got to do is look at your loved one. Then I'm going to give you this last one. This is where we're going to stop. John 15. Why do you want to be a, have a good, a strong love walk? Because there's rewards tied to it. The rewards for, for keeping, keeping God's commandment is this. John 15 verse 10 says this. If you, talking about you, keep my commandments, you will abide in my agape love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and have abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So when you're operating according to the love of God, keeping the commandments of God, it says that you will abide in the, in the love of Jesus, just like Jesus abided in the love of God. And guess what else was going to happen? Your joy is going to be full. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is based off of things that happen. Joy is joy unspeakable, regardless of what's going on. Jesus says it again. This is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. That word bear means produce or bring forth fruit. And that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask, when you keep his commandments, whatever you ask of the father in my authority, he may give it you. Then he says it again. This is this. I command you that you love one another. So people want to walk around in power. People want to walk around with all that. The source of that power is love. The source of that power is love. You want to walk in more power? You want to have more, operate in more authority? Tighten up your love walk. And then I go, go, he says, tighten up your love walk. If hate speech is coming out of your mouth, that is not love. You really, it's not what goes, it's not the food and stuff that goes into your mouth that defiles you. What defiles you is what's on the inside of your heart. That hate and bitterness and perversion and all kind of wrath and wickedness is in your heart. The, Jesus said, that's what defiles you. Go back and read it. Don't take my word for it. Go back and read it for yourself. That's what defiles you. That's in Mark, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 6 through 20. He says, is what goes in, what's in your mouth, what's in your heart, that's what defiles you. That's what defiles you. So, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody walking and talking except you've been so assigned. I would like to thank God for this opportunity. You know what? When I, I, I see stuff like this, when God gives messages like this, and we only, this is only the introduction. There's a lot more to this message. There's a lot more to this message. Because he says, my people are, he said, they are being destroyed for their lack of knowledge. They, they think that what they're doing is right and what they're doing is not right because it's not motivated by love. God's love, not the world's definition. God's love. And God's love is unconditional. 
No, God's love does not wink at sin. God doesn't say, well, I love you, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put aside everything that I said about what would happen if you operate in sin. And it's not true. What he says is, is if you are walking in love, then you will begin to bear fruit. You know what that fruit is? Winning souls. Love draws people to you. Hate repels them from you. God is love. You said, well, he told, he was saying that to the disciples. What are you? What's the qualification to become a disciple? If I believe or have faith in Jesus and continue in his word, his Logos word, the written word, then am I his disciple indeed. And then I will know the truth and his truth, the trueness of his word will make me free or cause me to be liberated. So if you call your, if you are, if you are a disciple of Jesus, he's talking to you. So whatever head bowed, every eye closed, nobody walking and talking except me. So aside, hallelujah. You know, love always tells the truth, even if people don't like it. But you speak the truth in love, not hate, not judgment, not mad at nobody, not upset with nobody, not hoping your dog die by Thursday, nothing like that. I mean, none of that. Have no hate, ill will towards anybody. None, zero, zilch, nada. Or he wouldn't have trusted me to bring the word this word today because this was not originally the message he gave me this message at 745 this morning this is what I want you to this is what I want you to give them because they won't go any further if they don't get this right God loves you enough to tell you you won't go any further than where you are right now if you don't get this part right That's not Apostle Milton. That's the father who said that. And some people were receiving some won't. I used to be concerned about that. I used to be like, Lord, 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 what, 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 what way can I better express your word than, than what it is that you gave me? He says, it's not based off of you. Your responsibility is to tell them what my word says and give them the truth. They have a decision to make whether or not they're going to accept it. They also have a decision to make whether or not they're going to believe it. They have a decision to make whether or not they're going to do it. He says, that's not on you. Your response is to, your responsibility is to give them the word. If they blow you off or lightly esteem the word, don't take it personal. Because it's not you that they're blowing off or lightly esteeming. It's me. Because I'm the one who sent you to tell them. I'm like, okay. And it made me free. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity in your word. Thank you. Thank you. If you never accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior before, but you like to, man, he is love. God is love. And he demonstrated his love towards you in the fact that he sent the son, Christ Jesus, to die just for you. I had a loved one. He was talking about he wanted to go to church and everything. And I was working with him and was going to will him to do Uber for him, whatever he needed to do. But this is what I said when I kept talking to him last night. And he kept on him hawing around, telling this is what I said to him. I said, my man, let me explain it to you. My responsibility is to make sure I, I aid you in whatever you need to try to get you there. But you are the one who has to make a decision that you want to, that you want to go. Your relationship with God is between you and the Father. My responsibility is to make sure I help you as much as I can. He's like, I understand that. I said, okay. So whether you he goes or doesn't go, I'm not mad at him. I'm going to love him to life. So... If you never made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, you like to today, man, I'd like to give you that opportunity. 
But simply repeat this prayer after me and confess it with your mouth and it out of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I receive your awful forgiveness. I receive your love right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we'd like to welcome you back into the kingdom, welcome you into right relationship with God. Welcome you, welcome you, welcome you. Now, what do you, what do you need to do next? You need to get in a Bible-based church that teaches about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and also teaches you about the kingdom of God and most importantly, teaches you about the love of God. Man, there's no greater place to be than in the perfect will of God, doing what it is God called you to do, no matter what. Now, if you are in the local area, we invite you to Ignite. We're here every Sunday morning right now at uh, 9.30 a.m. Uh, that will soon be changing, but we will keep you updated on that. And um, every Sunday morning. And also, um, if you're not able to attend tonight because you live too far away, because we have people who watch this broadcast from all parts of the world, then get in a Bible-based church that'll teach you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, and operate in the love of God. And last but not least, um, if you don't have a church and that you and you can only watch it online or your church has stipulations or you can't get there, then just watch it online. Either way, we'd love to have you. So on behalf of the ministry, join myself and the entire Ignite Nation. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you.